0: Uh, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update Fridays at this time. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Appreciate that. Aside from praying for his uh, speedy recovery, what were your thoughts when you heard of the assassination attempt on Rabbi Yehuda Glick?
1: Well, First, obviously, we pray for his release. I see the reports indicate that it's there's been a slight improvement in his uh, condition. Although it's still a, a long fight uh, for him, but he's. Uh, but I think the event can't be seen in isolation from the rising tensions in Jerusalem, the exploitation by Abbas, uh, and incitement uh, using the Temple Mount Arabite uh, for uh, political purposes to, to enrage the population, to uh, and and this constant refrain knowing that there's nothing that incites people, or more Arabs, more than uh, telling them al Aqsa's is under siege, al Aqsa's is uh, denied uh, access, when in fact the ones who are denied are Jews. And Muslims have uh, have more or less free reign. Today it was open again. There was much reduced uh, violence. There were a number of places where it took place, but the, there was an age limit uh, restriction on access uh, placed. And the the day of rage that was declared, I know there was a lot of diplomatic activity over the last 24 hours uh, involving other countries as well, to get Abbas the message to to cool things down, which shows that he can, uh, just as he can heat things up by his rhetoric and by the constant diet that we see in the Palestinian um, media. Uh, I do think that there's a question about why the government didn't act earlier when we saw the attacks on the Mount of Olives for the last month or more, uh, the grave uh, desecrations by the dozens on Rosh Hashanah and, and uh, I think later it was Sukkot or Yom Kippur when the second rage, but constantly stone throwing, the attacks on the light railroad. You have to stop this right at its beginning. And there wasn't sufficient police coverage. There wasn't the kind of security that there should have been. There is now. And I know that they're stretched, and it's it's hard because you have to take police from other parts of the country where they're needed, but the, 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 the Jerusalem is still the center and the heart of our people, and if people are afraid uh, to travel on the railroad or anything else, it's, it's
0: very detrimental. Right, so you said it can't be viewed as an isolated episode, so there's some type of, and, and I understand it's the rhetoric and, the incitement, uh, as you just said, uh, you 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 just presented a uh, an argument that the head of the PA actually has control. You know, for somebody who complains he never has control over a situation, we see that diplomatically when people intervene, he in fact does have control. So so, just asking, the, I know it sounds like a silly question, but if not for that environment, if not for that atmosphere. It is very possible you 're saying that an episode like this would not have taken place, in other words, you need not just a motive and a desire for someone to take out somebody, you, you need a certain uh, you know, a feeling a certain atmosphere in the you know between Jews and Arabs in order for there to be enough passion for someone to carry out an act like that
1: and the guy who carried it out it turns out was working at the Begin Museum. he had been in prison for ten years. he heard uh, him speak, uh, so it could have been um not part of an organized effort I mean I haven't seen any evidence uh, so far that uh, he got instructions or something but I think that the atmosphere that's created when they talk about mini intifada when they they uh, talk about the the rising uh, of tensions and the attacks that that took place and it there aren't consequences of people and you know they they always argue that it's young people although many of those arrested for some of the attacks were 20 and 30. Uh, they're not young people, and that there are reports that young uh, children are being paid to be the ones to throw because they know the police will be much more restrained in dealing with him. So when a 13-year-old get, or 14-year-old gets shot, it's not because they want to do it. It's not because they, the police uh, don't try to avoid it. It's because he's engaged in, in a terrorist attack or, or, or illegal activities, challenging and, and threatening the lives of police and, and soldiers. And if they're the ones doing the attack, inevitably, they too become the victims. And it's, the, it's those who send them out there, and it's the parents who allow them to go out there, and it's the government that doesn't hold the parents accountable as well for these attacks and the actions
0: of the kids. The police killed someone in the aftermath of this episode. Was it the right guy? Was it the one who tried to kill Rabbi Glick?
1: They kill. Well, they know who who they think did it, and I think that there may even have been some witnesses or some. Not, I don't know if there were eyewitnesses, but I think that there were people who were in the, in the uh, environment. Let's say, and and uh, I've seen nobody raised doubts except the American media reports, who allegedly, who supposedly. I have to say that the really the height of gall in all in what I've seen in terms of the media coverage was the NPR report yesterday, which started off by calling, uh, by describing the death of a Jewish extremist, when they call the murderers, uh, whether ISIS or Hamas, Hezbollah, militants, (laughs) that's the worst term that we'll use. And yet, here's somebody whose, you know, I guess his terrorism was that he did a hunger strike. I mean, by everybody's reputation, he was an activist, which is the term you hear now. But to describe him as an extremist, I think it's really outrageous.
0: Unbelievable. Uh, I'm, this is not a, We're not here to discuss your personal situation, so I don't want you to think I'm going there. Uh, but in general, do you think Jewish leaders, especially those in Israel, will now rethink their own protection because of the environment right now?
1: I, I don't think that, uh, you know, first of all, I don't think it's a solution to problems. It, it can be a deterrent, it can facilitate uh, people moving around, but... Look, the general climate, it's not just in Israel, it's everywhere when you have the threats of Hamas and Hezbollah. Are they being taken seriously? The answer is yes. People take them very seriously. Uh, In European countries and others, we saw yesterday in Peru a Hezbollah operative who was arrested was going to attack Jewish institutions and Israeli embassy, and it's it's deemed a very serious uh, incident. Uh, we have uh, things happening everywhere.
0: Yeah, but if everybody, Glick, uh, you know, after being threatened, asks the police either for protection or for their advice in terms of what to do when one is threatened, uh, based on media reports, they didn't respond too well.
1: Well, I can tell you we do respond and our scan operation. The Secure Community Network is available to every institution or somebody who has a concern about security to advise them, to guide them to even identify resources if they needed to. Well, my
0: question is, when Faglin says that the police had an obligation to protect her by Glick, is that far-fetched?
1: I I, I don't think you can protect every individual. I don't know the circumstances that Faglin was describing, so I can't really comment on it, but I think that uh, security is something we all have to take seriously. You can't provide security to everybody. Remember, we had a fight in New York over a police car outside a a famous Jewish institution protecting an individual, which certainly warranted at the time, but um, you know, it's just uh, there are resource issues, and frankly, if somebody wants to get them, they'll they'll get them. Again, it can be a deterrent, and it can be uh, uh, it can serve as a a warning against somebody carrying an attack. attack. But I think you have to think about how do you allocate, and how does the community meet its responsibilities? I've talked about it many times on the air over the years, about our responsibility, especially in schools and in schools, there are things that can be done. It's going to cost a lot of money. You just can't protect and assign a cop to every person who, who gets threatened.
0: Right, understood. But it's it's important to reiterate, especially in light of you know every, every time now we think of it could happen anywhere, we're thinking of Canada and all the other places where attacks have gone on. Um, no, noticeably, Jewish institutions have got to. And, and they've been targets I mean maybe not you know so much in this area but they've been targets before in this country as we know and uh, we
1: also have to take hold to account and and uh, there's a lot of reports that you know Qatar has given money towards some of these things or other foreign sources right. and Hamas' involvement that we have to look at those who aided and abetted it our foreign countries like Qatar whose involvement in a lot of this stuff is is well known and um, has to be has to be held to account, and the international community has to act against them and not allow them you know, to, to continue to function and even be greeted and pictured with the world leaders and American leaders. There has to be
0: accountability. Closing the Temple Mount was the right response. Um, you know, it's funny because we, we, many people think that when one exhibits a position of power and, and shows that they're not going to tolerate the rioting, that that, that is the best response. Uh, then others think, of course, that no, reopen the Temple Mount and you know get things back to normal will be peaceful. That that's the correct response. He, we we never know. We never know how to juggle the two responses and what the which which is the right way to go.
1: Well, it's more complicated because of the arrangement with Jordan and uh, their Jordan role. officially oversees the walk. Yes, and and it was Israel that turned over. You remember. Uh, after 67, and involved the Jordanians, they had made a, a request, that in fact Israel gave them even more than they requested, and they feel and and they reacted very strongly to the events of this week, um, publicly and privately, to uh, the closings, and they felt that the, this if the status quo gets changed without their permission, and that they bear the you know get criticized for it as well, and I think it, it was in part deference to them, and in part because it's. uh, It creates additional um, uh, attention, uh, you know, in the pressure cooker when they close it completely and it Mm. becomes an excuse then for further demonstration.
0: Right. Nonetheless, you think it's outrageous that a Jew who wants to pray in the Temple Mount cannot.
1: (laughs) You know, and when the world's criticism about what what goes on, they knew that it's in fact so uh, weighted in favor of the Muslims and how much deference is given to them and how much... um, uh, you know, uh, covered and honored that uh, their requests uh, and and the, the limitations that they pl- place that if a Jew is seen praying they can remove them and I mean it's ridiculous,
0: unbelievable. Um, everyone, everyone thinks they have the answer to the situation. <laughs> everyone, there are no easy answers, ex- and, and I'm not. That's saying, what I'm trying to emphasize.
1: There can't be a radical change. And I understand why the limits and things are put in place. But, and you know, there are a lot of rabbani who don't think that people should go up there in any event. But I think that the,
0: totally way the world
1: portrays it and the media portrays it so ridiculous that, that uh, you know, if they knew or if they would take the time or if they know and they just want to slam Israel.
0: The halachic discussion is completely separate from this. It shouldn't, right. even, it shouldn't even be included in the political or diplomatic discussion.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, and the location, and again, I don't know why I'm reacting this way. Maybe because I know of so many people who are just in that area, you know, for the Sukkot holiday. But we've seen terror attacks in every area of Jerusalem, unfortunately. But, again, the geography of this attempted at assassination, I think, just shook everybody. Because, again, worldwide jury who's visited Israel has been there a million times.
1: But I think we should be clear that the, the, all this violence is still very isolated in particular areas. It's serious, and it shouldn't be diminished in any way. But people shouldn't be dissuaded. You can go to Jerusalem. You wouldn't see any sign of it. You wouldn't feel it. It's uh, it's still isolated. It's safe to go to Jerusalem. It's safe to visit,
0: and and you don't have to fear. An attack. Yeah. You're making a very, very important point, and I'm glad you're emphasizing that. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at ninety-one point nine on the FM dial, round the world on the web, jmnam.org. Special greetings to those listening on the NSN app, which seems to be taking off like crazy. More and more people tuning into the weekly update via that method each and every week. And I thank you. All right. Uh you know, we've had we've had in the past uh harsh language between the White House and the Prime Minister of Israel. It has happened in the past. For some reason, this week. Whatever it is that U.S. administration officials said about the Prime Minister of Israel, and of course, media sources are attributing it to the President himself, which I don't even know if that's fair or not. You'll tell us in a moment. Uh, but this has really taken on a life of its own, seems to be getting a lot more attention than, than past episodes. What could you tell us about this alleged statement about Bibi from the White House?
1: Well, again, it's a, uh, there's many facets to this. And you've asked an important question about why does it get such heightened attention. For one, I think it was the colorful language that was used, colorful in quotes. Right. Um, second, that it was attributed by a reputable reporter uh, or journalist to to high-ranking officials. And it comes on the heels of, of the other exchanges, the, the incidents with Ya'alom and um, other tensions that increase and of course whatever happens with Israel makes news and when there's tension between U.S. and Israel they love to exploit it so it becomes a big story. Uh, the, the fact is that there have been over the decades many times when there have been incidents but you didn't have presidents, presidential, uh, presidential uh, staff uh, ascribing to a leader of an allied country uh, the kind of uh, uh, appellations and terminology that we saw uh, applied to, to Netanyahu. So I think that it made it more scandalous and therefore a more interesting story to, to exploit. The I do not believe it's the president who said it. There are people who say, well, there's a culture of permissibility that uh, evolves from whatever their attitudes are, but. If you saw the the um, comments on it by the, uh, the spokesperson for the National Security Council, right. it was a repudiation of it, saying that it was inappropriate mm-hmm. and counterproductive. But you have to read the full statement, where the press kept pressing them about releasing the name, giving the name, holding them accountable. And we issued a statement where we said they should be held accountable. I don't know where they have to be of, but they have to be held accountable. There has to be some standard. wouldn't have... You know the, uh, this terminology applied to others. Although we have seen it, where there were pretty nasty references by high-ranking officials to European leaders to, to others that get reported, and uh, and so I, I don't know what the, what the standard you use to to measure it. Uh, what's important is that all the sniping stops from all sides, and that the the relationship is far too important, and especially now given. November 24th deadline on Iran you know there are people who speculate was this done to intimidate Netanyahu in advance of the you know the November 24th uh, Iran negotiations deadline was it for other reasons Uh, was it because of his announcement of the housing and and et cetera and I think on all sides there has to be sensitivity there has to be uh, an appreciation of of when we say things how they're said when they're said but the relationship is is a primary importance overall, and I think that the language used, I don't think, inappropriate is strong enough for for what was done.
0: Right. Well, Uh, even more so, than well, not more so, but as much so, I I was, it was laughable to hear the word cowardice associated with the Prime Minister of Israel. I don't even know if his greatest enemies would have the nerve to say that he's a coward when it comes to uh, uh, his actions.
1: You know, for me, one of the most important parts of this is, that the the uh, how the countries in the region see it. I, I met last night with an important Muslim official, and it was the first thing he raised. And he said, "Could you explain it to me? Why why would they do this? What is the significance? Why why would they do it?" And if you saw Kerry, uh, Secretary Kerry issued a very strong statement denouncing it. And in part, I I, I believe it's because uh, some people in the White House told members of Congress and others, according to reports, that it was the State Department president, it wasn't a White House official. And I think he reacted very strongly to that, and his comments were very strong. And yesterday, you know, the National Security Advisors of both Israel and the United States had their regular meeting, and they had a lot of photo ops coming out of it and tweeted, and et cetera, the All pictures right. of Susan Rice and Yossi Cohen. All right. Uh, um, but you can't paper over the damage because it is lasting it creates an impression and it's not good for the United States it's not a positive impression of the US being tough on, on Israel because the countries in the region say look if Israel gets treated this way how are we going to be treated how can we rely on it
0: no question about it on the on the housing thing uh, so the 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 analysis was that b has to shore up or satisfy the quote unquote right wing in Israel is he suffering on that end politically that he has to that you make bold statements about housing in Jerusalem now mean
1: there aren't a lot of people in israel who who say so and who um you know that he that he is responding to the uh some defections, or a feeling that, that Bennett is, by the way, has grown in strength according to right. uh, some of the polls. But you know, the, the real substance of it, is, you know, raises a lot of questions too, because these are not new developments. These are old developments that keep being rehashed. It's just a zoning decisions and advancing of things. But this is the same housing that we that they were criticized for before, and I don't know why we have to keep announcing the same housing development. Right.
0: But whether it's new or not he uses the bravado to his advantage regarding it like he's the one making that story he comes out with the statements the press covers it and analyzes why he's doing it right so I'm saying that you're, you're right it may not be new but he's the one creating the new news about it absolutely so I'm saying that right. It's ex- right which would yeah. which, which would indicate you know, why, you
1: know which, which would indicate the they, they may long, be they say in Israel you know and, and they say that there isn't and they have active they're not building new settlements they're not building Outside the areas that will remain, you know, by consensus with Israel, so why pay a price in the international community? You see how the Europeans and others exploit this constantly. Oh yeah, how they warn them and they they threaten them with uh, threaten Israel with all sorts of, you know, act, actions, boycotts, etc. Uh, over this, and right now we have such a heavy agenda of of concerns, and and, and Israel being in a relatively good position in, in regards to a lot of with the. You know, Syria not being a threat today, Egypt being an ally, other things that find an opportunity to take advantage of this in a positive way.
0: Right. And there are a lot of those things we have to discuss. But I got to ask you one other question about what's happening on this side of the world. There, are, you know, to many people, Tuesday starts the home stretch of the of the Obama administration. Right, once the midterm elections are finished, there, there is great speculation about what that might or will not mean. Or, or might not mean to the future of the uh, United States-Israel relationship, at least in the short term. And, and I know you don't like predictions, and you certainly don't like speculating. Maybe it'd be better to discuss this a month from now. But any feelings or hesitations, knowing that the midterms happen on Tuesday, and the next morning the home stretch begins. We discuss it in
1: two years from now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then I'll tell you what my prediction is. That the it's certainly a watershed this was a lot of things were put off. We know that there were discussions that Abbas was told to wait a, and and himself said that he would wait till after the uh, these mid uh, term elections um, the what would, the question is who will control Congress will the, will the Republicans take the Senate? how will that impact the formation of policy? Will they be more assertive less assertive and remembering also that the initiative and, and the, a lot of the power still rests with the White House you shouldn't dismiss it we have two more years. That's why all the tensions are, are so serious, because it's not the last month of an administration. There are two more years where they have to work together, and we'll face many serious challenges together, uh, and the relationship too important to, to sacrifice for it. I, I don't see you know, some massive change in policy. I do think, though, that uh, a president, especially as young as he is, will, will look to his legacy and will look to, to create some change in things that, that his record will reflect afterwards. Uh, I think maybe the secretary as well. So I uh, would not be surprised by increased activity or increased um, focus on, on certain things. But you can only do what's feasible on the ground. And you have Abbas who's not willing to do anything, yet he keeps getting excused. He keeps saying he's not going to negotiate. He doesn't negotiate. Uh, you see how Israel was forthcoming for Egypt when they had a partner now right. who. who uh, to whom they could make these concessions. Look what Israel is doing, we had the guests from the uh, Syrian refugees talking about the aid that Israelis are giving and how they're helping it. I mean, Israel wants to be part of the region, is trying to, to help wherever it can. It acts with such, maybe sometimes even unjustified restraint, uh, but certainly important restraint. And uh, so you know, when people talk about... Um, what what will happen it's all speculative we don't know of anything the big deadline for me is november 24th and the iran negotiations and the talk of a deal no deal extensions you know the number of centrifuges people should not be lulled into indifference on it i know it's been a long time i know we've discussed this for 10 years this is really a critical moment and uh, as I said to a group yesterday, we will be judged for generations by by what happens.
0: I know. I'm just. I, I just fear that on November 25th, you're going to throw up your hands when you see the uh, the reaction. I, I just
1: uh, my hands will be the mo- the most modest reaction I can think
0: of. Yeah, I can imagine that's true. But uh, I don't expect much from the U.S. and their leadership role on this. But. We'll find out soon enough. Uh, the, the SodaStream move, uh, this depressed a lot of people because it looked like a caving into the BDS movement. But according to its CEO, SodaStream is moving out of the quote unquote West Bank because they've been offered an amazing facility in the Negev, uh, by the Israeli government. And not only that, but the CEO, Mr. Birnbaum said, according to the New York Times, that the company was asking for Israeli, the Israeli government for permits so that the Palestinians could work, the ones, of course, that are part of the company, could work at the site in Lehavim in the northern Negev. We are committed, he said, to doing everything in our power to enable continuity of employment to our family of employees, and that family of employees includes all the Arabs that have worked for him.
1: I want to know from all the boycotters, all the BDS guys who attacked SodaStream, and I believe him that this was an economic decision. As you know, SodaStream has had some economic problems, you know, um, the sales down, etc. not because of boycott, I believe, but because, you know, the initial thrust when a new product comes out, uh, you have sometimes a diminution, but it's still in demand and they have this new facility, which would be much more uh, economically uh, viable. Uh, but nobody talks about the hundreds, 500, 600 uh, 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 Palestinians who had jobs there, and so that doesn't include the Israeli Arabs who have jobs there and the Jews who had jobs there. But uh, we talked about this before. After I visited there, and I heard from the mayor of one of the cities, uh, the Arab cities in in uh, uh, well, I won't say, but a significant one, saying to me, "You got to stop the BDS. You got to stop the boycott because I can't put these people to work. They make ten times what they will make if they come back here because they were paid equal with the Jews, Jewish employees, and they're given all the benefits, health care, etc. So this nobody thinks about, and these guys don't don't have to worry about the employment. Of these hundreds of people and their families, you think about the multiple numbers. So, uh,
0: Birnbaum argued that the plan's 500 Palestinian employees earned more money in better conditions and in SodaStream than they could elsewhere in the West Bank. Exactly. Unbelievable. And on top of that, the Times writes that he claims the integration of Palestinian Israeli workers was like a pilot project for peace. So,
1: And and always described as such, and we've met met with Birnbaum and we... Visited the, the Soda Stream factory. You have to go there and listen to, to what they said, what the employees said, how they're treated, how they have learned to, you know, the, the, develop relationships between the employees and, and the personal relationships that emerged.
0: Uh, what did Sweden do? They they declared that they recognize Palestine as a state? What they do? They're
1: exactly? all performances. are not uh, legally binding decisions you know they the irish did it the others are doing it
0: but, but symbols are important you are always very say.
1: important and it has an impact and it rewards a boss for his uh, unwillingness to negotiate his obstinacy and that people don't see it as to me quite incredible but we're seeing it and and the there's no price that he has to pay and he's getting, you know, they had the donors conference and he gets pledges of hundreds and hundreds of uh, millions of dollars to the PA, billions of dollars. Half the money pledged is supposed to go to the PA, not to, to Hamas and Gaza. But, the, uh, uh, you know, he, he has done, made no concessions whatsoever on anything. Talks still about going to the U.N. and is trying to force this resolution, which the Jordan will have to introduce on their behalf. And either have an American veto or, or face, uh, you know, a vote, whatever, and then says he's going to go to an international criminal court. So it's it's quite outrageous that
0: Israel pulled out
1: lateral out its, action.
0: Israel, Israel pulled out its ambassador from Sweden.
1: It, it called him home. Yes,
0: and in Ireland they did the same thing.
1: I think the Irish, maybe the ambassador might be in Great Britain. It may not be. Uh,
0: uh, good point.
1: And I have a separate one for Ireland.
0: Um, you know what the you know what the worst what the worst thing? <laughs> I thank God. I, I'm not saying this to families of the victims. You know what? One of the terrible things is uh, uh, in the aftermath of all these beheading videos, and obviously the, the murder is the worst part, but. I think one of the worst things um, uh, perception-wise is that now the regular rape and murder that ISIS is doing in so many areas, including these Iraqi villages I keep reading about, gets zero attention because nothing's as dramatic as these beheading videos which you know seem to fascinate everybody when they started being distributed around the web and the and you could and I'm sure you spend half your day doing this just briefing government officials around the world about what ISIS is doing on a reg, and Boko Haram and of course other terrorist groups are doing on a regular basis each and every day uh to men, women and children.
1: We we met also this week with the leaders of the SED community. And I will tell you everybody who heard them Walked out, so shocked and so disturbed. Drawing analogies when they said they were making a plea to the American government to bomb the roads to places where thousands of women are being held, they're raped. Some one he describes he spoke to that week thirty six times one morning. The girls from eleven years up and over the boys from ten and over, and all the males just killed, taken outside the cities, killed. There are, are wide scale massacres still going on. And you don't hear the outcry and the, the the still the fight of Kobani, the fact that Turkey doesn't cooperate, the, the uh, support that these guys get, um, talking about what what steps uh, should be taken and what what needs to be taken. It, it's it's so horrific that the the nature of of this that the indifference of the world continues, to, and, and it, it reminds you by virtue of of uh, what Sweden did and others did. That no steps are taken in 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 regard, and very few of them are interceding with uh, even foreign aid or assistance um, to to these uh, to the victims and to the refuge millions and millions and millions of refugees that are emerging out of this. So uh, it's more than frustrating that the world can be indifferent to the suffering, and, and they're Muslims or Yazidis or Christians or others, and I cannot understand. Where are the demonstrations? Where are the manifestations? Where's the UN Security Council, the outrage of the of the Security Council?
0: You'd think the media would be fascinated by it, that they'd be reporting it on a daily the basis. The
1: headings were fascinating.
0: Right, exactly, my point. They became right. great
1: recruiting uh, uh, tools for, uh, for people. But, you know, the, the, there's just no coverage. Uh, we don't talk about Iran's role in all of this. We talk about... The, you know, they're inviting them more into Iraq, and, and yet they're playing such a destructive role in the support that uh, these groups get from the terrorists. And there is a, one I heard General Dempsey yesterday said that something smart about going and powering the Sunni tribes in Iraq, which is the way we should have gone. gone. But the, the mass executions still take place. Yesterday they, they, or Wednesday, they executed 46 people in just one place one city and they go from place to place we're seeing it now in in others in yemen you know which i've discussed for a long time and by the way for for people who want to really understand yesterday uh, uh, ali veliati who's the former foreign minister and one of the key advisors the Khomeini, gave a speech and he said the capture of of yemen is the road to the freedom of palestine it passes through yemen this is a strategic location this controls the indian ocean access the gulf of oman the Bab el Straits, all the things we talked about and warned about. Here you have him laying it out. Why Iran, which is backing the Houthis, have now achieved this amazing success? They beheaded people. In the Houthis in, in their fights, they're fighting Al Qaeda now, and in most instances, beating them uh, in in uh, as they move to take control of the straits and and to take over the rest of the country. And and you don't even see a newspaper article. You don't see any kind of coverage to. To the, the fighting in Tripoli in, in Lebanon, which has gotten so severe, and the attempts to take over the city, and now you have the Sunnis fighting with uh, the, the Lebanese army coming in against the Sunnis, Sunni jihadists who have come from uh, Syria who are fighting to, to join al-Nusra. We're seeing such shifts and coalitions all the time. And and uh, people who dismiss Al Qaeda have to read the reports this week about Al Qaeda's recruitment and growth in, in Syria and, and other areas. Where I mean, it just
0: are they still are cons-
1: such great consequence?
0: Are they still considered aligned with each other, Al Qaeda and ISIS?
1: No, no. They, ISIS was uh, broke off and and was thrown out, and now they are confronting each other.
0: So there's a uh, civil war among the terrorists.
1: Always, and even amongst the groups fighting Assad, that was the problem, that they were killing each other and not fighting there.
0: Yeah, that's why I said to you weeks ago, remember we were talking about three sides in Syria instead of two? It's hard enough to follow when there's two sides involved, but it seems like there's multiple sides there constantly. Many, many sides. You it's see, unbelievable.
1: The fighting of the Kurds in, in Kobani, which sh- should never be allowed to fall completely and shouldn't have been, even in this circumstance, should have been many efforts made that we could have prevented the, the deterioration to this point in Turkey's refusal to help and, and allowing now they've allowed some Iraqi Kurdish troops to go in. I mean they're really fighting the Kurds and they're really making the effort.
0: The mass executions you've you've told us that there are Israeli officials I mean rightfully so that always bring up to you the obligation that Israel might have to, to do what they can for these victims and that's and hence by the way what you just mentioned earlier about helping Syrian refugees etc obviously there are a lot of people who feel that the uh, Jewish people that Israel has a an obligation to at least pay attention uh, to what's going on but it's almost insurmountable the 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 amount the the um uh, the uh the number of of episodes that are occurring is just impossible. By the way, that may be the biggest favor that Washington's getting is that the media is ignoring it. Because if the media in the United States was not ignoring it, Washington would have to respond, would have to figure out a plan, and and it would be quite a task to get involved.
1: But but there are media reports telling how coming from sources in the region, obviously that you know that ISIS gets paid for all the U.S. aid that goes in, they have to pay in order to be able to get the aid in, and that these guys siphon off the you know, get paid off bribes, et cetera, right. to, to, I mean, it's just ridiculous if you find out all the stuff. and, You know, the oil shipments, and uh, we bombed the refineries, supposedly, but they're still shipping all the time oil. We ought to be knocking out all, taking out the, the trucks as they go to Turkey to deliver oil to, to to Assad. I mean, there are a lot of things we could do. There's a lot of stuff that, that the media has reported. Uh, the, you know, the good news hardly gets covered when Tunisia had the election this week. And the remarkable... Uh, Development that against the predictions, in Hada lost to to the secular Nida uh, party that the that, who want eighty seats they want seventy, so they weren't eliminated. It's still going to be an important factor, and they're reacting in a very moderate way. But I'm sure that they're planning to, to take much more serious action in the future. Uh, so that, because the, this party, the secular party, got eighty out of two hundred and seventeen seats, the Islamists still got seventy. But it tells you where the people are at, and that the people are already rejected, and people are ready to stand, and we have to stand with them. And I, just, I mean, where, here I am pleading for help to Muslim countries.
0: Meaning help for Israel?
1: Help for the countries. We'll help Israel. If you stabilize those countries, if you stop the, the growth of Muslim Brotherhood and the spread of the Islamists, you help Israel, you help America, you help the West, you help everybody.
0: I know, but the numbers seem so insurmountable.
1: Yeah, but Tunisia is a smaller country. We don't need to. I'm not saying we have to, to go in and pour in billions of dollars. They don't need it. Mm-hmm. Things that will stabilize it, will show the people that they get rewarded when they take a moderate choice towards democratic and more uh, and uh, and um, a free party that's seeking freedom for the country. Mm-hmm. But if they see that the only ones who get rewarded are those who take the most extremist uh, positions, look, Egypt this week built a fence. You know, they cleared which is an amazing thing, that in 48 hours, people were given notice, given compensation, and they bulldozed the houses and uh, and villages, uh, small places along the, the border between Gaza and Egypt, putting up a 500-meter uh, 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 buffer zone that it will run maybe 13 kilometers, which is the border between Gaza and Egypt, and they're going to build a moat in there and flood it, so they can't build uh, tunnels anymore. But they did, took the decisive action after the attack last week that killed 31 of their soldiers. Were actually three attacks, uh, but they announced they're going to do the buffer zone. They did it, and they in two days it happened. And I think that this is, you know, uh, a, a, and we'll see all the criticism that they're going to come because why could they do it? The housing and stuff. They did it because they have to protect the country and you have to protect their citizens. They didn't, you know, do it without paying the people without giving them notice. I'm sure they were unhappy about it but the gaza and the, uh, this is a, uh, the sinai has become a hub for these terrorists but they operate out of gaza and they believe that palestinians were responsible for involved in these uh, in the attacks and um uh, uh and, and yet, we should be supporting the, uh, yeah. them instead of seeing all the criticism of the
0: Egypt. No question. A little mo- motivation and hard work, and you see you can get done right away. Uh, Malcolm, last second about election day. Remind everybody that every single election, it's important, some might even argue an obligation, to get out there and vote.
1: Well, Ramesh R- R- and uh, Yaakov and others, uh, Zikronim Lebracha, uh, gave me letters at the time when I did a voter registration job uh, drive <coughs> many, many years ago. Um, about that, it is a huge. People have an obligation, and you live in a country that gives you the right. If you're deprived of the right, we we'll all be demonstrating you have the right, and people don't take it seriously. And you may not think there are important races. There are. And it's important to show that we vote. And you have a presidential election coming up with those who aren't registered. Now's the time. So that you don't wait to the last minute and say, Oh, I put it off. I forgot. It. I didn't do it. Now's the time. Everybody has to register. We have to show the elected officials that we're involved. We care. There were many wonderful events. The Flatbush Jewish Coalition had a great event. Many elected officials. It shows how interested. I know that the governor and a group of people came to Borough Park this week and others. It shows that they care about us. We have to show we care about it ourselves.
0: No question about it. We'll speak after Election Day. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and I thank you. Malcolm Homeline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday, Friday's 7.40 weekly update right here at JM in the AM.